Well, let's bring in Bob Iacchino. He's joining us from Path Trading Partners. Bob, welcome. Good to have you with us. We've been concentrating on this uh, rally. We've seen the greenback to 110. It continues to reward the bulls, simply put. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually talking to Sean. Uh, I saw him in person about a week or so ago, and I was actually talking to him about the dollar. And it was interesting. He said at the time what he just said on your show, and what I've been saying on your show for really weeks is that how do you go short the dollar in the given environment? We're going to have a Bank of Canada rate decision. Bank of Canada has been leading. They're talking about 50 to 75 again. It's possible they do 75. You might get a little brief strength there. Uh, the ECB, a lot of us think it's just unconscionable that they're going to do 75, but these rumors come from somewhere. So they're likely to do 75, but then who can be the most aggressive in terms of hiking rates and fighting inflation? It has to be the U.S. Fed. So one of the things that I've kind of been talking to people about, not necessarily predicting, but if you get 75 Bank of Canada, you get 75 ECB, how does the Fed do 50? When they haven't been leading the way, the ECB has definitely been behind, and you're framed by these potential two rate decisions of 75 basis points, you almost have to do 50. We've got a high probability of it now. And that just brings about a longer term bull move, which we've been seeing in the dollar, save for that head fake that Sean talked about. It kind of has to continue. Having said that, I don't have a position in any currency except being short the euro, simply because that to me seems like the highest probability to continue heading lower. You know, Bob, that's actually where I was headed. As you mentioned, again, it's not necessarily uh, just because this dollar has been long in the tooth to the upside, it's difficult uh, to sell this thing and not something I would recommend either. But uh, I was going to ask you how to trade it. And along those lines, we're going to look to some of the other products that the dollar has a very close relationship with. And to your point, the euro being one of them, um, and gold, for example, which hasn't really broken down yet much. But um, in, in terms of the U.S. dollar here, I just want to point out that we did have some numbers here that just came out, uh, trade numbers here. And I did notice after China reported smaller than expected August trade surplus, Bob, at $79.4 billion uh, versus July's $101.3 billion and below the forecasted $92.7 with exports stalling. I mean, these are probably not going to be the most closely watched numbers, right, this morning with the dollar, the focal point rates on the rise, and obviously some concerns tied to indices. But I wanted to point out imports and exports here in the U.S. came out. Uh, the trade surplus, it looks like, coming in uh, a little bit more negative than expected. They were looking for down $70.38 billion, uh, but it looks like it trimmed some down $70.78 billion. But, Bob, I mean, obviously, you know, if we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, the dollar, you're talking about these, these, you know, the impact this has on trade. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the stronger dollar is going to skew those numbers, and you're right about the trade deficits that are not going to be watched. Uh, very closely, they're going to be watched long term, however, because the base case of most international businesses is they have to move away from their relationship with China over the long term. They just have to. If there's actually going to be geopolitical tension, whether it's China, Taiwan, and then include the U.S., or whether it's China getting closer and closer to Russia, given the war between Russia and Ukraine, you're going to have to start pulling away from China. And Russia is kind of a good base case. We had situations of U.S. investments being pretty large in Russia 10, 15 years ago, and then all of a sudden they had to bail short term. And I think that's likely to be the base case going forward with China, although it's going to take quite a bit longer given the relationships and how entrenched they are. So you're right about the deficits. They're not going to be a short term thing, but long term, 
you would like to see this continue to trend in the direction that it trended this morning. Back to the currency side of things, and you mentioned precious metals. I, I mentioned being short the euro. I'm also short gold and have been short gold for about two and a half weeks now. And that two and a half week position has me targeting gold for about 1617 or so, uh, which we've only broken through 16 a couple of times, coming back a little bit at least this morning. But the price action that we're seeing in the ES, I think it has a lot to do with what we're seeing in rates. Rates a little bit lower today, but remember the yesterday sort of unofficially started the excess QT from the Fed, the 95 billion roll off per month. And if you look at what was happening before with the quantitative, um, let's just call it the runoff that was happening before, where the maximum was going to be about 35 billion, but yet they were only running off, if you look at their balance sheet, about 17 billion a month. If they actually went to the maximum of 95 billion a month, which is what they're sort of charged to do, um, that would be a five or a six fold increase, depending on what they just did in August, in the removing of treasuries from the Fed's balance sheet. We're now only 17 basis points away from the high close on the 10 year. We're at the high close on the 20 year, which people don't look at that much. And we're actually two basis points higher than the high close on the 30 year. And I'm talking about the recent high close which would have been mid-June. To go to a higher close, other than that, let's let's look at the 10-year, which was June 14th. To go to a higher closing yield on the 10-year, you have to go back to 2012. Mm. So these are very significant moves in the yield market. And I suspect it has quite a bit to do with quantitative tightening. You know, we talk a lot, Ben, about whether the Fed is going to pause or not after this next rate hike. I don't believe they are. Uh, but the quantitative tightening is going to continue. So the tightening that's going to be built into the markets, whether it be lines of credit, credit card debt, things like that, are going to continue to tick up with longer term treasury yields. You know, Bob, I'll pull up a longer term chart here in terms of the TNX. And if we do get to 3.49, where that would put us 3.5. But uh, I, before that, I want to kind of circle back here again in terms of because I think while you're talking about strength in the U.S. dollar, obviously a reflection of rates, 30 year inching up the 10 year as well, the last the big move over the last couple of weeks here now. Uh, but you're also, again, as we pointed out, talking about some of the weakening currencies, the yen as well. We kind of referenced the euro currency, and I want to concentrate there a little bit more because we've got the ECB tomorrow. And I guess I'm wondering, as we have, uh, you know, expectations that at some point we're going to see some rationing as far as this energy crisis, right? They have to do something ultimately to kind of uh, uh, slow things down. We've got... Uh, new UK prime minister with some plans in terms of how to freeze prices there and the run-up we've seen and the impact that's had on consumers and businesses for that matter. But but the ECB right now kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place, but it seems like they need to act fast because rationing ultimately seems to equal slower growth, right? Slower growth means they kind of lose that window of opportunity to raise rates. So where do you see them uh, kind of uh, the chips falling tomorrow in terms of them uh, laying things out? I mean, there's been some speculation about 75, but many think that they won't be able to act that aggressively. You know, I agree with they shouldn't be able to act that aggressively, but I think the ECB has one shot here. And again, I always, when rumors continue to persist, you have to pay attention to them. I'm not saying they're doing 75, mm -hmm. but I really think this is almost a one and done for the ECB if they do do it, even if they do 50, because of the things you've mentioned. You know, the plan right now is to cap prices, which is basically just paying the difference to energy providers between what the consumer's going to pay and what the energy companies have to charge. So you're just funneling money to the energy companies, which 
you know, whether it's the consumer paying it or the government paying it, it's still consumer funds, since governments don't produce any goods, they just collect taxes and redistribute it. And then from that perspective, you know, if there's two oranges and each orange costs a dollar and all of a sudden the price goes up to $10 an orange and the government gives each consumer $10, you still only have two oranges. Yeah. So when you talk about energy supply and the constraints that come in and the slower growth that comes with conservation, it's the only real way to get a sh to get short-term relief is through conservation. And that's not humanitarian relief. So the price caps and the money being funneled to help with those bills uh, is political and is humanitarian, but it's not a solution to the supply problem mm. with energy. And it's not likely to be a long-term fix at all. And as a matter of fact, it's bearish for the euro because mm. the ECB has to pay for that somehow. And they're likely to pay for that through increased issuance, which means more euro in the system, which is part of the reason I think they need to raise rates now. And it's going to be a one and done. I don't think they can do more than that. Bob, along the same lines, uh, again, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss basically, well, I think as we speak, if it's over, I'm not sure if it's over, but her first uh, national address, she's brought together her cabinet for the first time, pledging some 200 uh, billion pounds in energy aid and tax cuts. Uh, but uh, ultimately, there's been some talk about how this is just going to simply put add, well, 10% to UK's national debt. But uh, ultimately, I mean, this is a similar situation where we're seeing kind of, it seems like central bankers that are sort of putting their foot on the brake pedal, but yet, uh, you know, you've got lawmakers in many instances, which are kind of accelerating that gas pedal. It seems like the left hand in this instance doesn't really know what the right hand's doing in many ways. Yeah, and I smirk a little bit, not because people are going to be cold. I hope that comes across. I smirk a little bit because you're exactly right. You know, you're fighting inflation and you're distributing capital. Yeah. So they say you can't fight the Fed. You're fighting the Fed. We did the same thing here on a much smaller scale by passing two spending bills, yeah. one of which was called the Inflation Reduction Act, which spends money and stokes inflation. So the only solution, unfortunately, is recession and slowing demand for the kind of inflation we see right now if you're going to have a solution long term. And I'm talking about the UK, I'm talking about the EU, and I'm talking about the US. So when... Fiscal policy actually fights the Fed. That's something you have to look at from a perspective of treasury yields and the strength of the dollar that we're talking about. There is likely to be no medium term relief to the strength in the dollar with governments doing what they're doing mm -hmm. to continue to try and garner support from the public for whatever office they're trying to hold, garner or continue to hold. You know, we've been talking about that in terms of the indices, right? With the rallies that have come in this bear market environment, they're short-lived, they're limited in terms of follow-through because the fundamentals, nothing's changed ultimately. We have a hawkish tone from the Fed. You've got uh, all of these dynamic uh, developments that are playing out in terms of globally and factors to consider if you're trading. Uh, um, definitely uh, something to consider and uh, always uh, a pleasure to have you on. Bob, uh, appreciate you joining us here to help us break it down this morning, talking with Bob Iaccino from uh, Path Trading Partners about currencies and, uh, again, some of the focal points for investors and traders this morning. We're